Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Over the past 20 years, I've heard countless stories of sexual brokenness. And many of these individuals held their stories in secret for years, even decades. They all believed a lie that no one would love them if their secrets came out. But healing and discovering one's true identity and worth only exist in the light. In today's bonus episode, we have Randy and Cynthia Lale here to share a very powerful story of abuse, addiction, satanic strongholds, infidelity, and the matchless power and grace of Jesus Christ. If you think no one could understand your brokenness or that you would be utterly rejected if the truth came out, please listen to this episode. There is no one whose story is beyond the reach of God's rescue and transforming power. Learn more about Randy and Cynthia and get a copy of their book at OurBornIdentity.org. For even more resources, visit BeBroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And we'd sure love it if you would rate and review the podcast after listening because this does help others to find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken, and we exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Now let's dive into Randy and Cynthia's incredible story. Well, all right. Randy and Cynthia Lale, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, so I don't want to waste any time because I feel like you have a story that is incredibly powerful that I think will help our listeners, especially the listeners that are feeling like, listen, my story is too far gone. There's no hope. I'm perpetually broken. There's no way that there could be any kind of transformation in life in my life. I feel like you guys have a story that could really help that listener. Now, before we dive into this, um, listeners, I want to let you know that um, part of this story does include some trauma and abuse. Um, and so if any of those things might be triggering for you, you may want to, to uh, consider just being aware of that as you listen to this program, or maybe you want to listen to one of our other episodes. But let's dive in. So Randy, can you just tell us uh, your story, um, uh, starting back in your childhood and some of the things that were shaping t- for you and really influential towards you eventually developing a sexual addiction. Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, yeah, I mean, my, uh, most of my adult life was was riddled with uh, sexual addiction, uh, lifestyle choices, uh, actively involved in other groups, and and uh, um, never really understood the the why. I mean, the the draw and the allure was was greater than anything I could fight, and I just remember actively giving into it at one point. Um, but, uh, yeah, through my, through my recovery and, uh, and recovered memories and, uh, therapy and everything I went through the, uh, I've been able to uncover what the root was. And it goes back to when, uh, it started when I was three. Uh, it ran up until roughly 14 years of age, um, between 14 and 15. So um, it took on a lot of different forms in the beginning. It, uh, it, it, at the age of three, um, it, it, it started in my bed uh, with my dad as, as a child, you know, a you know, young kid. And uh, um, it was just he and I for many, many years um, uh, had a one-on-one relationship. He called it our special time. And, uh, you know, I see it, you know, I, I still see it today through a child's eyes. 
Um, I don't have the, the detail of the memories or the, uh, the feelings of it are at, you know, as I was then. And, uh, that's taken me some time to really get used to that because it was very emotional. And, uh, uh, you know, I would say from three up until about, uh, seven or eight, somewhere along in that time frame, um, it was just dad and I, uh, it, things develop, you know, more and more. It's just, it's kind of like, uh, any kind of, um, you know, uh, whoever is a perpetrator or, or who is, or a groomer or whatever's going on at that time, you know, things would, the encounters would change. They would evolve and move. And uh, that's what was happening with us. Not at any rapid pace, but, uh, um, I always wanted to go this example. I always wanted to go to work with my dad. I mean, I would hide in his car, um, when he would leave in the morning and hope that I could go with him. And, um, some people might look at that and say, well, you know, if he was abusing you, you know, like, why would you want to go? But it was, it was, it was how our relationship was based. It was, it was how we interacted together. It was something that we had and in a really unhealthy way, um, uh, it developed and, and I wanted that relationship with him, but that's what it, that's, it, you know, it was just, it's really hard to explain. It's hard to explain the mindset of, of where I was at at that point, but, uh, it was always a reward based type thing. If I, if I did things with him, he would reward me and, and those, uh, I, I look back now at, you know, at some of those rewards of you know, going to get an ice cream cone at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, if I was good that day. Can I ask a question? Yeah, Can I ask a question? At what point in, in your childhood and, and growing up years, did you, did you eventually become aware that that was an unhealthy relationship with your dad or that there was something wrong about that? Do you remember when in your life you, you, be, you realized that? or were told that or found that out? That's, that's a tough question. Cause, uh, I, I think in, 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 uh, inherently, you know, it's wrong. There's part there's something in your spirit that, that says it's wrong and it was unsettling. I think I even knew that as a kid, as a child at that age. Um, it didn't, it didn't make me feel, well, I can remember instances where I would pretend I was asleep. So he wouldn't abuse me in the bed. Um, before, as I, after I went to bed that night, I would, and, um, uh, cause I didn't, I didn't want it. Um, and, uh, I, I think maybe if there was any one place that I think that really stuck, sticks out was, uh, my grandmother, my mom's mom used to visit us, um, and stay for periods of weeks at a time. And, um, I just loved it when she would come cause she, she gave me attention one-on-one -on -one time spent with me. And, uh, I remember one, once she asked me, um, we were talking about what I like to do. And then I started talking about some things, you know, doing things with dad, I always, you know, uh, not, the, not the pedophilia stuff, but the other, other stuff, normal stuff. And she said, well, is there anything special you like doing with your dad? And I said, yeah, we have our special time. And, uh, I mean, I'm probably four, between four and five, maybe at this point in time. And, um, and, and she asked me about it and I tell her what we do. And I just remember seeing her face just drop. The expression on her. And, uh, sorry. <laughs> she, uh, 
she she looked at me and just kind of came back and I, I could just see she was just kind of oh my she was just saying oh my oh my and um she asked me a few more questions and uh um right after that I, I fell asleep and then when I woke up from a nap it was a nap that you know woke up from that nap I heard her and my mom arguing in my mom's bedroom and um and I think that was this time when I realized this might not be right um I you know I'm still only four I mean the, the under, having the level of understanding that, you, that we've got now as adults is not, it's not the same thing, but you start to get a sense that things are wrong. And, um, what was the relationship uh, but, with uh, your mother? Uh, not long like, after that. Yeah. What was your relationship with your mother during your childhood? Mom. Yeah. Uh, I would describe my mom as the, is the, is the, the ultimate Southern, mom, you know, just, uh, um, she, uh, it was all about looks, all about how we present. Um, you know, so mom and I had a okay relationship, but I don't know that we really ever had a very close relationship. Um, right after I told, right after this incident with my grandmother, she passed and, um, not, I mean, like within weeks and, um, and I had a thought, I was in my mom's room one evening, one morning, not long after my grandmother died and, and the mom was crying and I sat on the bed with her and, uh, um, I told her that anyway, somewhere along in there, I made the comment that I talked, told mama that, uh, mama said she was going to help me. And, and, and I tried to talk to her mom about it. And that was the first time I'd ever sat with my mom and tried to tell her. And she's, she looked at me very sternly and said, I don't want you to ever talk about this again. And, um, and I didn't, that was, that was the end of it. She said, I don't want you to talk about this again. And so it's just kind of like, you know, I think she had some kind of sense about what was going on, but she never did anything about it. Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's move was, forward into your, I, uh, I mean, I, I, let's, let's move forward now into the, then into your teenage years and early adult years. What did, what did, what did your life look like then around just some of the sexual brokenness? Yeah. So probably around 11, 12 years old, coming into being a teenager. Um, the, uh, the stuff with my dad took a really dark twist. Um, it brought in other people were brought into the relationship. Um, uh, I was, uh, I was, I was kind of handed over and being groomed by a lady. Um, and that went on for a number of years. I mean, she showed me a lot of attention, a lot of sexual favors, a lot. Of, I mean, it was like, you know, this, I'm this 11, I'm this 12 year old boy just really kind of coming into his own, a lot of emotions, a lot of hormonal changes in body. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So, um, this lady shows me some attention and effect, sexual affection. I'm sitting there going, Yes. I mean, you know, that, that's kind of my thought process. I mean, I can't, I can't believe this is getting ready to happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it just, I mean, it just, that goes for months. I mean, I'm over there cutting her grass. She invites me in. I mean, it was a sexual, uh, we had a sexual relationship. Then my dad would come pick me up at the end of the day and take me home. And, um, so, uh, but, but as that developed 13, 14 years old, it, it went from just being sex to being um, controlled, groomed, uh, cross-dressing, 
the, 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 the interactions with her and other people just became really, really dark. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, it just built a lot of, uh, the conditioning just really shaped my life at that point. Uh, I was yeah. very confused, really understand who I was. I mean, I was just struggling. Uh, I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any, uh, I mean, I had friends, but I had no real friends. And nobody I could talk to. I mean, I, I had acquaintances as friends. And um, uh, so school was tough for me. Um, uh, my self-confidence was just shattered. Um, and uh, so uh, I, I, I struggled a lot during that. And I just, you know, with all with the, the grooming just reached a point and culminated at 14 to where they broke me. Mm-hmm. And um, I just gave into it. Um, and uh, I mean, there was there was trafficking. There was uh, satanic ritual abuse all mixed into this. And uh, uh, I didn't know which end was up most of the time. And, uh, um, but it all stopped. I had a mental breakdown at 14. Um, I started uh, passing out of school, um, had paralysis. Um, it wound up being just, just, you know, my mind screaming out for help. Right. And it affected my body. And uh, there was some intervention, not necessarily for what was going on with me, but there was a, I was I was put in a psychiatric psychiatric part of the hospital and uh, they determined that there was a trauma and there's some things going on. They were talking with my parents about it. And I think my dad got scared because after that, it all stopped. Everything stopped. No contact with anybody that I had been in contact with and uh, including dad. Mm-hmm. And um at that point, my it was kind of like uh, after coming out of the hospital. I mean, I went through psychiatric treatment. I went through shock therapy. Um, this is back in like nineteen seventy five. You know, mm-hmm. early time for shock therapy, I think. <laughs> and uh, but you know, out, outcome of all that was was I didn't remember any of it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to start my life over again in some respects. So. Um, uh, so really going into ninth grade, uh, it was all new. Yeah. Um, and that's, I, I met Cynthia not long, not long after that. We met in the eighth grade or ninth, eighth grade at church. We were in the church youth group together at Providence Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, at that time, we just were good friends. We were best friends for years. And then he, we, and we were seniors in high school. He asked me to homecoming. I was like, yeah, he's just a friend. But we went and then we you know, got engaged <laughs> just about right after that. So um, we got through school, got married, and God's kind of given me a picture of our marriage was like a house on a hill, a little house on a hill. Everything looks great. What we didn't realize was that how that hill was a volcano, and mm. it wasn't long before that volcano started rumbling and all this, all the problems started coming up. That's what, when we first got married, everything was great. Then he started getting more into pornography, which I didn't know a lot about. He, you know, of course, was very he would stay at work to do that kind of thing. And then he started getting into the BDSM world. I mean, and when Randy does something, he doesn't do it halfway. He does everything a hundred percent. So he was very into that, very involved in all those scenes and things like that. And now we realize a lot of that was the controlling, what was part of what he had been groomed for. Mm-hmm. That's what they did when he was um, going through those years. So that's why it was so comfortable to him. So we spent a lot of years through our marriage, you know, fighting over that or struggling with that. And I, I 
I would go to some of those scenes with him because I knew that if I didn't, he would leave. He was gonna, he had to have that. He, and we kept thinking we would find whatever, whatever the, whatever made him happy, you know, he would find it through that. But he, and we did, he, he tried all kinds of different stuff. And at one point I remember telling him, we had two daughters at that time. And I told him, I said, I know how to make the girls happy. I don't know how to make you happy. So I'm going with the girls. You mm. just do your thing. We're going to church and we're going to live our lives and you do what you got to do. Cause I'm just, I'm done. I'm done with it. So we spent a lot of years like that, just kind of coexisting. And then you want to pick it up? Or? Let me ask a question. No, I mean, uh, so let, me, let me ask a question about, about your, your relationship and coming together. When you guys got married, um, uh, I'd love to hear both of you. What were you kind of hoping for and expecting in this relationship? Uh, in other words, Randy, what were you kind of looking for in Cynthia? And Cynthia, what did you see in Randy that really brought you guys together? And kind of what were your expectations of what your life together would be like as a married couple? I think back on that what is we were best friends um, at that time. I mean, she was probably my only best friend. And um, uh we, I could talk to her and tell her anything. Um, I, I didn't remember all the stuff that happened in my childhood at that time, or I probably would have told her about it then. But uh, um, what my expectation of the marriage was, I mean, it was like we could do anything together. You know, if, we, if, we, if, we, if, if we got married and came together, there wasn't anything that we couldn't do. And, um, uh, and so it, it, there was just no question or in, in my mind, and I don't believe in hers either, that uh, I mean, we, we fell head over heels in love with each other. And um, uh, there was just, there, <laughs> there, that was just the way it was going to be for the rest of our lives. And that, that the expectation was that, that was the way it was going to be. But at that time, I mean, I felt like I was on top of the world. Um, I didn't have any of the pressures. I didn't have any of the uh, um, sexual addiction issues. I, none of that was going on. It was just like I was free. And um, But what I didn't realize was it was laying underneath there and, and just scratching at me. And I look back on it and I can see see it, see the signs, but I didn't recognize the signs at the time. I was expecting, we got married. I mean, I met him in church. I was expected to marry. I was marrying a great Christian guy and that we were going to live a life, you know, for God and everything was going to be great. And pretty soon I realized that was not the case, that he was, he, that there was something we never knew what the problem was or what the deal was. I don't, I don't even think I suspected anything like this, but I just knew that he was never happy. He just could not find, you know, he, it was like he was searching all the time for something. And now we know it was, you know, it was those, that stuff. You can, you can stuff it, but it doesn't go away. And so it wasn't, we went through a whole lot of years like that. And then he got real involved in church at one point and everything was going great. And I, that's when he was praying one day. Go ahead. No, I mean, it, it, I did. Uh, I mean, I did. When I would get involved in church, it was it was it was all me. So I would just pour in and, and you know and just do do do. You know, I figure the more I did, God would God would see me. <laughs> you know, it was more performance based type stuff sure. instead of a relationship with Christ like I have today. Um, yeah, but uh, um, I mean that. I, our whole from you know, early, late teens to early twenties and thirties. I mean, 
the sexual addiction started creeping in slowly, 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 slowly. They get getting more and more and more. And I would try one thing. It was just like any addiction. Well, that's old. Let's go do something new and something new and continue. It just continued to grow and it got, it got a life of its own. Um, uh, it went from, you know, the fantasy reading stories and stuff like that of the, of the BDM, BDSM lifestyle. I mean, it was hitting a place in me that was like, it, 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 I couldn't even explain it to you. It was like, wow, I, I, I connect with this. Mm. And what I didn't know at the time was, was that's what was going on with the conditioning I went through. So it's natural to understand that that connected in, in a really unhealthy way. But uh, regardless, it did. So it went from being fantasy, uh, trying to get Cynthia to play along, to I started actively reaching out to people who were in the lifestyle and develop relationships with them. And that just, then it just escalated. So I, what they did to me in escalating, I did again to myself in my addiction. My addiction grew and it grew, it reinforced itself. And it became a, it became a cycle that uh, I could not break. I was just powerless to break it. I tried. Yeah. I knew it was wrong. I knew I shouldn't be doing it. I knew it was killing our marriage and, and our relationship, but I was powerless to stop it. And um, so you, you and had mentioned, going, that, I find, and, and again, I finally gave in. Yeah, you had mentioned that there was this long season where you you both kind of just coexisted. So, what eventually broke that? Yeah. What eventually kind of uh, caused you, Randy, to experience what we might call uh, recovery? Like, what did it look like for you to have that switch? What what uh, what occurred? that um, started to lead you on a path of restoration and recovery? Yeah, so in uh, the years prior, like two, 2009 is where, where it's, the, it's the epiphany moment. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, had, it had degenerated to the point to where I tried to take my life once. I left Cynthia twice in the early 2000s. And so um, I kind of got my life a little bit back together, got back into performance-based stuff again, doing things, just trying to hang on. And I was praying one morning in my living room. Um, this was uh, spring of 2009. And I asked God, I said, God, I want to know you better. I said, I feel like I've been doing and I want to know you. I want to get to know you. And, um, and I, the first time I had literally ever heard God speak to me, and he said, if you want to know me better, I got to show you something. And uh, I said, okay. Bring it. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the first flashback. That was my first flashback. Mm. It hit me right in that moment. And it wrecked, totally wrecked me. Um, I didn't know what to do with it. And um, I mean, I, re I, I remember I was on my knees in the living room and I was bawling. And um, it wasn't it, the flashback was just a quick image, but the, what came with it were the was the emotions, all the feelings, everything that went with that with that image hit me all at one time, mm. and, and I was I was just floored. And um, I spent months in counseling, talking to pastors, trying to get a grip on what in the world was happening to me. And uh, and I fi and I finally, after about what's probably about a year, I finally. Told God, I said, you know what, I'm done. I said, you know, I didn't ask for this. I said, I, I, I know how to do, I know how to manage, I know how to do life before you. 
I'm just going to go back to that. And I just said, I'm done. I walked away. I walked away from church. I walked away. I mean, the only reason I went to church was because to keep the peace, you know, so I, <laughs> so I would show up for services. But um, other than that, I, I dropped out of small groups. I dropped out. Of, I cut off all my relationships with people and um, and walked away. And I, and I didn't pray for nearly two years. Because the so, images just kept coming, the flashbacks. I, I, I had to shut it down. Coming. I had to stuff it. And that was the only way I could do it. I had to stuff it. Yeah, so and, um, Cynthia, I'm I didn't curious, last very long um, because Yeah, let me let me ask Cynthia, what was that year like for you where Randy is trying to get the help and then just finally says, I don't want to do this anymore? What what was that journey like for you during that year? It was rough. He did so much crying. <clears throat> he would just in the evenings I would he would just come and just hug me and just cry and cry and cry and cry because the images and the the flashbacks were just awful. It was just, I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he concentrated and dealt with that because he just, he just couldn't get the help and yeah. didn't, you know, they just kept coming, the images and all that stuff. So when he said, I'm done, I was almost glad because he was out of work during that time. And so finally he said, I'm going back to a job I can do and we're going to just do that. And I was, I was kind of glad. I was like, okay, let's just, let's just stuff it because we thought, really thought you could stuff it, but yeah. you can't. Yeah, it, you it, it didn't last. It, it came, it came out, and it just, and it just erupted. I mean, it was just like throwing up. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I didn't know what I was getting, uh, but I just got all kind of stuff, and I and I went back into trying to talk to pastors again, and eventually I just realized, you know, something just something just popped in my head and said, you know, you need professional help, and uh, I reached out and got a uh, found a, uh, uh, a psychiatrist, and, and it happened to be in town here, and she specialized in childhood sexual abuse. And um, she agreed that she agreed to take me on, and I worked with her from almost 2012 to 2017. It was a long ride, and uh, going through all the memories and reconstructing what happened, and uh, um, it it was it it was it was tough. It was really tough. It was hard. It was we harder were, on our marriage, I think, right. that time period was at any point in our in our year because I was so physically exhausted. I mean, I didn't realize I even had PTSD until she diagnosed me. I didn't never connected that that's what I was dealing with. And uh, the exhaustion that I felt all the time just was just weighing on me. It was all I could do. All I could do each day was to get up, muster strength to go to work and then and then deal with the therapy. And I didn't have any energy for anything else. Cynthia, kids, nobody. We were working together and I would go into his office and I would say, it's time for you to go. And I'm, I could almost, he, I could tell he wanted to reach over and throw up in his trash can. That's how bad it was. But he kept, he went and he tried. And that's one of the things I've got a cousin whose husband dealt with um, drug addiction. And she said, she always told him, as long as you're trying, I'm staying. And that's the thing. Randy never gave up. I mean, if he had ever given up, then maybe, but he was trying so hard to get better. So we, we got through those years. It was rough. It was really rough. But he got to a point where he was going through therapy with her. He would he would get to a point where we felt like he had seen everything and dealt with everything and he'd be good for a little while. Then all of a sudden it would get bad and he'd go back to her because more memories were coming. And there were apparently when he was tra when the trafficking part was a camp they took him to that was they men paid to come to. And it was was a horrible thing. Um, but he could not face those memories. And um one day I said, you know what? I need to go see your therapist because I kept saying to myself, you know, Randy's going to be on his deathbed and he's going to say, 
my dad took the first 13 years of my life and I gave him the rest of my life. I absolutely let him ruin my entire life. And um, so I went to her, I said that to her and she said, oh, honey, he can't. Those memories have to come out. She said they're in the back of his brain and they're like a little animal scratching to come out. And until they, he brings them forward and sees them and deals with them and puts them into long-term memories, he'll never, he'll never be able to stop. And so at that point I said, okay, this, we're getting this, we're yeah. doing this. And so it's like the next day I was reading the paper and there was an article about a, um, in, uh, uh, firefighter. Well, firefighter, the Charleston nine, we had nine firefighters die in an awful sofa, fi- sofa store fire here. And the article was about one of the survivors and he had gone through this um, study that was for PTSD and it had, um, it had take it had take cured the PTSD for him. So I told Randy, I said, what if you did that? And he was like, nah, nah, nah. But then he went and talked to his therapist about yeah. it and she knew about it. They, Go ahead. You can. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the therapy was MDMA, which is ecstasy. And they used MDMA in, in conjunction with the cognitive therapy. And uh, so um, uh, I was a little skeptical of it when I first heard about it. But uh, after talk, my therapist actually knew the, the, the people who were conducting the trial and she connected us. And uh, we got we uh, we applied and got accepted. Um, and, uh, and, and I think some uh, August, September of 2017, um, we entered the trial and uh, I want to tell you that was a, uh, uh, that changed, that, that literally changed our lives, changed my life and changed our marriage. Um, that uh, the PTSD um, within a matter of months, two to three months was, was basically non-existent. They could, they could barely measure it anymore. And, um, but the, but the result of that was, you know, it was like my physical body, my brain had to heal. And then all the memories started uh, um, flooding back in. The, it, it, it all started to make sense. The memories actually started getting uh, coming together and lining up and getting in order. And I was able to process more and more and more. And it was just like, um, but I was doing it in a way that where I wasn't experiencing the, uh, the pain and the trauma from it. So uh, it was hard. To, 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 to go through even that part, but it was nothing like what I dealt with before when the, when the fear and the terror and the nightmares and all that were haunting me all the time. And, uh, so um, uh, that, that's where I'm What were Jesus, you experiencing to be honest with you. That's the in first your part. relationship with God through this season? What, was, what were you seeing in, uh, in your faith? as part of this aspect of the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, my relationship, I'm not, I look at, I didn't have a relationship with God. I had a relationship with Jesus and I know it's the same thing, but I, but in my mind, I had to separate the Holy spirit, Jesus and God. So I was good with the Holy spirit and I was good with Jesus, but I did not want to talk to God. And um, I was still mad at him. Well, yeah, because he calls himself and, a father, uh, right? Right. So um, Jesus met me in that clinical trial therapy. It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was the most beautiful thing that ever happened to me. Um, and I, a relationship was formed and 
he and I became my best friend. And, uh, but that's, but that's where things, uh, started to change in my life. And, uh, um, I can sit and talk with him and I can do even do that today. I mean, you know, I, I imagine that we're just sitting and we're talking and we're having a conversation. And, um, uh, so he, he walked with me through those five years. Um, when I would pray, I would pray with Jesus. And that's, that's the only way I could do it. And, uh, he, um, it was interesting. There were times where, um, he wanted me to talk to the father and, uh, uh, I was very reluctant and didn't want to. And uh, I would really just kind of, you know, clench up. I could just feel my chest tightening up. And um, and, uh, and and he knew. He knew what was going on. He knew what he was doing. And um, But it was, uh, it took years, years before I finally um, was able to come before the Father and see him and talk to him, you know, and just, and just see him, see see them as as one. And, um, but, uh, but that, but that had the, but I had to start to see myself as one too. There was a lot of give and take through, <laughs> through that. And, and the one thing I learned is Jesus is, I mean, he, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, there is as patient as anything you'll ever, anyone you'll ever be around. And they were willing to let me work through this and, and take the time that I needed to take and that would encourage yeah. me and, and help me say, take steps forward. And, um, but, uh, I could not have healed without them. Never would have healed without them. What was um, the healing? I'm sorry. I think that my strength, wanting to, to, the strength that I had to get up and go to therapy and to, and to keep pressing in and keep pressing in, no matter how hard it was, was coming from them. Because I asked in my prayer, I think, gosh, you got to give me the strength to do this. Yeah, I don't think I can. And uh, and you know, I I used to say to myself, I don't know where it came from, but it, it came. And I, but I look back now and know that that came that came from through the Holy Spirit. You know, mm-hmm. giving me the strength I needed each day to do what I needed to do that day. <laughs> so, but, what uh, did what did healing look like in your marriage during the season, and and what does it look like now? in your marriage as you are, uh, you know, moving forward in your lives. Yeah. I, I, from my perspective, and I'll let Cynthia go after that, from my perspective was the fact that she was as invested into my healing as I was, um, was just, just being able to do it together with somebody and the support that she gave me, gave me strength to, to, to press in and, and, and it, and it bonded our marriage in a way that uh, um, we didn't even didn't even realize it, what was happening. And um, um, there, there's a lot of things uh, in our lives going on right now. But uh, you know, it, it's that that's the best part. I always say through the years, I I think God showed me Randy's real personality in those early years before all this happened, so that so that I would know what a wonderful person he was and a wonderful man so that we would get through the journey <laughs> that we had ahead of us. And so now it's like I finally have that man that I had when we were 18. You know, I mean, we're both very involved at church mm-hmm. and love Jesus and want him to be lead everything that we do. And our marriage is great. I mean, it's so worth the battle. It was a long it was a long battle. It yeah. was a lot of a lot of years. But 
we know, I don't, I mean, he left a couple of times, but he kept, he came right back, you know, when, after he left. So we knew we were supposed to be together, that this is what God had for us. And now we're finally seeing the good part of what God has for us. And so we're excited about what the future holds, helping people that are, have struggled Mm -hmm. through this and giving them hope that you can't, you just got to stick through the bad times. You just, you know, sometimes you just coast like we did for a few years. We just coexisted for a little while, but you just get through those years and knowing that it's going to get better. And it did. It's great now. So So as we, um, as we wrap up, what I'd love to hear from both of you, just what words of hope would you give to uh, Randy, to the, the guy that's out there that thinks there's no chance that my story could ever be redeemed, that there could any, be any help. And, and Cynthia, for you, a wife that maybe is feeling like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know if I can stay in this journey. What hope would you give um, as we wrap up? And then, and then share a little bit about your book and where people can go to uh, learn more about your story. Yeah, what I would say is um, never give up. Stop, don't, never stop trying. Um, like I shared earlier, I, I, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Christ. He met me at the worst part of my life where I was dealing with the sin. I was engaged in the sin. And um, he sat in there with me and helped me walk through it because, you know, I was powerless to help myself, but I was, uh, and I was, uh, but I was reaching out to God for help all at the same time, you know, and how many of us do that? We feel, and then, you know, we, we, we try to get right with Christ. We sin and we come back and we have all the shame, guilt and condemnation. Um, we don't have to be, we don't have to be healed and clean to come before God. God wants to meet us in the mess. He will meet you in the mess. And I just encourage all you guys to, don't give up. Don't be ashamed to stand before God. He will, he, he, that's why Christ came because he knew we couldn't do this on our own. So he sent Christ to die on the cross to, to cover all the sins that we're committing every day. He wants us to heal and get better. And uh, he, he will walk it out with you. It's not going to be an easy journey. I'm not going to lie to you. Mine wasn't, it was hard. But I encourage you not to give up. I mean, you just look at look at where we are today, um, and 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 the healing and the redemption and the love and relationship we have with Christ now is the reward. And um, but uh, we have to we've got to go through the healing. The damage has been done. Our our bodies, our our soul, all those things. That it all has a process, and God knows how to do that. And um, I mean, my gosh, I spent I spent my, a lifetime doing all the wrong ways before I finally decided to do the right way. And um, uh, but that was my journey. So I just encourage everyone to, uh, in on their journey is to just if you don't do anything else. Invite. The, uh, Jesus to come into it with you. And he'll walk you through it. And I would just say, don't give up and be sure that God's a part of it. I mean, we knew, um, I mean, God was a part of it from our marriage from day one. We both grew up in a, in the church and we knew God was going to be a part of it. And he stayed a part of it through all the years. And he, we believe he kept us together because we could have, we even talked about divorce mm. at one time, but, um, 
just decided, no, we weren't going to do that. And we were just going to keep fighting. And we just, we did. And now the bond, like you talked about the bond, after you've been through a difficult time like that, I think you have a special bond that together that it's just, we, we talk about, we've, um, shield. Well, our our marriage is bulletproof. Bulletproof. That's it. That's (laughs) it. At this point, after all we've been through, it is pretty bulletproof. But uh, and that's a comforting, very comforting feeling. So it's just so worth it because, you know, you married him because they were good. They were a good man. And, you know, he's in there even with all the junk. It's and God will clean up the junk and give you back the awesome man that you married. You just got to go through the fight with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, tell uh, as we as we wrap up, where can people go to find uh, your book and any other resources that you want to share? Yeah, here is a as you can see, there's a copy of our book. Um, It's uh, it's on um, it's available on our website at ourbornidentity.org. You go there and um, you can uh, you can see other podcasts there as well. But there's also a link there to the book and the book is on Amazon. So you can go to the Amazon your Amazon page and just search the title and it'll come up or the name or the name or our names. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being willing to just share your story and for uh, doing what you can to, to help others who are wanting to understand uh, the truth about their identity and that it's not uh, tangled up in our sexual brokenness, but it's actually uh, secure in Christ. So thank you, Randy and Cynthia for being with us today. That was our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Well, listeners, uh, we are here to help you. And so if you're out there and you are feeling hopeless, maybe you're feeling stuck on your journey. Uh, Maybe what Randy and Cynthia were sharing really resonates with you, but you're just wondering if there's a safe place where you can actually share your story. We want you to reach out to us. Our whole job here is to help you take your next best step on your journey of transformation. And so please reach out to us. And we're glad you've been with us as well. And we'll see you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.